Hello, and welcome to Before the Green and After the Checkers. We're a man short this week as Donnie has to be away, but that's okay, because we still have our newest co-host, Mary Lee, and Donnie will hopefully be back for next week, uh, but if not, we'll be ready for when he can return. This past week saw us head to Martinsville, NASCAR's oldest track, and it brought us the return of Chase Elliott from his injury, yet another win for Hendrick Motorsports and Kyle Larson, and some new faces at the front of the field. Let's dig into it. Well, Mayor, we're fresh off your first week, um, not only as co-host, but as the social media manager or whatever you want your official title to be, I guess. Um, but uh, it, it feels good, doesn't it? It's not too bad, actually. I think we should clear something up right away, Evan. Um, for real, Donnie will be back. This is not some weird little, like, we'll slide Mary Lee in here and it's just going to be the two of us. I will guarantee you I won't be here every week all by myself. So I'm already looking forward to him to coming back. Yeah, I the creative team agrees with that. <laughs> I mean, he has way more NASCAR knowledge than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, Not that it takes a lot, but... Yeah, anything more than zero is infinitely more knowledge, right? I, I mean, I'd give myself like a... I know most of their names. I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not too bad. Actually, um, one thing I won't, speaking of names, um, I, I doubt you have heard of Justin Haley, and if you have, you probably couldn't put a face to him or anything like that, but he got engaged, yeah, he got engaged this week, um, uh, ironically enough to a girl named Haley, uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Haley Haley, provided she doesn't, you know, change or keep her last name or something like that, but, uh, Kind of an interesting little <laughs> side note that we're not probably going to discuss much later. Haley, 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 Haley. I like it. That's an easy way to remember your name, how to spell it. <laughs> yes, yeah. When it's when it's actually it, it's even spelt the same, both names. So that's impressive. That's called doubling down, right? I <laughs> uh, I don't know gambling terms. I, I'd leave that to you. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that was a gambling term. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What I know less of, NASCAR or gambling, gambling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You gamble every day when you wake up and feel like you should talk to me first thing. <laughs> All right. Well, let me find a good segue and let's move this right into our podcast discussion. So you can beat the dead horse all by yourself this week. All right, let's get going. So I've heard that Kyle Larson was the winner this week, his second time in victory lane in the last three races. That has Hendrick Motorsports with four wins in the last nine. How are you feeling about that 44.44444444% repeating? Well, um, it sounds to me like it's pretty close to 50%. And um, as a as a very devout um, Hendrick Motorsports fan, I am very okay with that percentage. Uh, especially considering that that 44% has only come from 
two drivers of the four. So uh, if the other two can get it fired up and get a couple wins together as well, uh, there's no reason to see why that won't just keep getting higher. Yeah, that's actually two race, two different drivers. That means they each won two. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm so good at this. I mean, basically, the only reason I can actually do that is because Kyle Larson won two. I know that. Anyway, so. Yeah, well, and as a, on top of that, you're a statistician effectively, right? So. Right. That's what I'm good at. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that um, this is, it sounds like momentum and that's what's going to keep happening for the rest of the season for them? Yeah, I think, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports, generally speaking, every year um, is within that, that group of teams that we would consider to be the cream of the crop. Um, there's a reason why they're the most successful team in NASCAR, even though they've only been around since the 80s uh, when there's, um, when there's, you know, been a sport called NASCAR since the late 40s, right? So um, there's a reason why that is the case. And when that team gets on fire and that team starts building momentum, uh, it's, uh, it's a dangerous place for all the other teams to be, uh, simply because when they do it, they do it right. And uh, it's, not, it's not been out of the question for them to reel off, you know, 10 to 15 wins in a season, sometimes even with only one driver doing that, uh, especially if you think back to the late 90s and then the mid-2000s again with Jimmy Johnson, uh, the late 90s, of course, being Gordon's reign. It's uh, it's not uncommon for that to happen. We know, we know you love Hendrick. I know because I ordered you some kind of memorabilia for Christmas one time, and I'm still getting spanned with the email. Um, when Larson won, I learned that this win at Martinsville is the first for the number five car since Jeff Bodine's victory in 1984, which coincidentally was the first ever win for Hendrick. I'm learning something new every day. <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, that's the first win at Martinsville for the five car, but not the first win for the five car, nor has it been the first win at Martinsville. Um, for HMS, um, they're the winningest team at Martinsville, so it's uh, it's cool to see that uh, that five car get back to victory lane there. And if you know the if you know the history of that um, that race in '84, Rick was very close to having to shut the team down because of a lack of sponsorship, and uh, they went to went to Martinsville and uh, got the team's first victory, and uh, were able to put together some sponsorship money and brought it all together, um, and actually, that story is actually a, a subplot uh, of the movie called Days of Thunder, so if you've ever watched Days of Thunder, uh, it's a subplot of that movie, kind of loosely based around that that whole team at that point, so uh, it's kind of a neat part of history, kind of cool to see the connections this past week. Yeah, I have not seen that movie, I know that's going to surprise you. Although, actually, I'm a little bit surprised if you've watched it. I haven't seen it. But anyway, um, let's move a little bit away from Hendrick Motorsports and Larson. And let's take a look at the one who took him out last week, Ryan Priest, since that's our next topic, which I know you know because you make the notes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so this weekend was Ryan's first stage win of his career. And the second stage was won by Kevin Harvick. And, of course, following a pit road penalty for Ryan Priest. So with the two of them, Chase Briscoe and Eric Almarola, um, it looked as though Stuart Haas would have the winning car before it was over. Yeah. Um, if you look at, you know, you mentioned um, Harvick and, and Ryan winning the uh, winning the stages. 
the teammates there, Chase Briscoe and Ryan Priest, they each led over 100 laps. So it, it really did look like it was going to be a Stortas victory kind of day. Uh, but as is the case, oftentimes the fastest car doesn't necessarily win. Since SHR hasn't consistently had speed, where do you anticipate seeing them have their next solid performance since they didn't take home the win this week? Is it at the next short track? This week in particular, Talladega is really a an equalizing type of situation where it's so dependent upon the draft. Um, you know, nobody has enough horsepower to get away from the field. You have to work with other people to do that, uh, particularly manufacturer teammates. So, you know, for for the Stuart Haas guys, they have Penske in that field. Um, they have <laughs> Rick Ware Racing. Uh, they have uh, Front Row Motorsports. Uh, so they've got a few teams there to work with as far as making sure they have people around them. Uh, so, you know, Talladega is always a mixed bag simply because it's not so much dependent upon, you know, the individual car, but but rather how you can work with those around you. So we could see something transpire at Talladega. Um, really, we could see something transpire anywhere because it is Storthaus Racing. They're not a low-tier team or anything of that sort. Um, matter of fact... For a couple years there, they were a very dominant force in the sport. They've had a little bit of a fall-off here, but uh, if this weekend is any indication, they could be figuring some things out. And NASCAR is very much a momentum-based sport, so as they build that momentum and as they get that confidence, um, we could really see them start to perform better uh, at more tracks consistently, more types of tracks. With the roster of drivers they have, um, you know, Kevin Harvick has won everywhere in everything. Um, Eric Almirola's pretty solid. He's not stellar. Uh, but Chase Briscoe, um, he's he's going to be one of the hot young tickets coming up. And uh, Ryan Priest has, has proven to have speed in a few different places. And I think Ryan Priest is actually um, a very quick learner of what it takes to win and, and be consistent. And he's been in the Cup Series before, but he's never had the quality equipment that he has now. Uh, so it could be really interesting to see what that stable of drivers could do anywhere if Stuart Haas starts to get a little momentum behind them, which this week could have been a really great building block on that momentum, even though they didn't get the win. All right, let's move on to Chase Elliott. As I was saying, his return this week actually vetoed your pick for cha- for Josh Berry last week. So your pick just followed him and we, you know, said you're Chase Elliott this week. but. Yep. Um, coming back from his earlier snowboarding injury, he struggled through the first portions of the race, but was able to end in 10th place. So we'll talk more about where that leaves you in points with Don later. But what I want to know is if he's missed six races and hasn't won a race yet to secure a spot in the playoffs, do you think that's still an option for him at all this race season? Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna come back to that in just two seconds because I do think it's important to note that earlier in the season when Chase Elliott um, missed his first race when that injury occurred. Donnie also had his pick uh, have to change that week. And so it's uh, it was kind of neat that it worked out for both of us, that we both had to make that switch. But I don't even think it's a it's a question at this point if he can be successfully in, con- in contention to get that win for, for jumping in. I mean, we already talked about Hendrick Motorsports at a pretty near 50% win percentage. Chase... But you can again if, if if you'd like to talk more about Hendrick. <laughs> well, no, but, I mean, as 
as the one that most people consider to be first or second driver on that team, depending on how you feel about Kyle Larson, you know, I think you'd have to be foolish to think that he couldn't get it done, especially from a team that has previously won a championship just two years ago. Um, well, I guess it'd be three seasons ago now in 2020. Um, I think you'd have to be a little bit delusional to think that it wasn't going to happen or that there wasn't potential for it to happen. Um, we, he's got a, an immense amount of talent. Uh, I think coming back this way, he'll also have um, quite a bit of drive, not only because is he now out of – he's not really out of contention of possibly being able to point his way in, but it is highly unlikely at this point. Uh, but he is at the point where – really all he's got to focus on is winning. He doesn't ever have to go to a track and go, okay, I need a good points day. He doesn't ever have to go to a track and go, I just got to survive and get out of here. Every chance he's got, he's got to go for the win uh, because that's the only way that he's going to make the chase realistically. Um, having said that too, it's going to be a great advantage to him simply because he has nothing to lose. And so I think that that should indicate to the rest of the field that, okay, he's back. Um, I don't need to be in his way. So, you know, not that not that people are going to move over for him, but I think he has a different level of necessity for that win than a lot of other guys do. Uh, you know, you look at a guy sitting fourth or fifth in points who doesn't have a win, well, there's a pretty good chance he's going to point his way in. Chase Elliott doesn't have that luxury. So he's either got to go pull off a win or not, and I don't think he's going to leave many people in his way if he has to move them. Um, and on top of that, there's been a lot of talk about people saying he shouldn't be, you know, participating in snowboarding and things like that where he could potentially be injured during the season. And I think he's going to do everything in his power to shut those people up too. It only makes sense, and I have zero, zero thoughts that he's not going to make the chase. Um, so what you're saying is, to wrap this up really nicely, Chase still in the chase. Yeah, and, you know, we can go from dead horses to dead mares if you want. <laughs> I've been waiting for that joke, to be honest. <laughs> um, I noticed, I remember when we were chatting earlier, uh, I don't have it in the show notes, but maybe you want to just, I guess, inform me as well as our listeners about something about the penalty that was changed or happened or... Yeah, that happened um, not that long ago today, actually. Um, but it was announced that NASCAR requested the appeals board to change Justin Haley's penalty. Uh, a big part of the reason why is because he had the same penalty as the uh, Hendrick Motorsports teams early in the year where they lost uh, not only regular season points but playoff points and their crew chief. And due to the fact that the appeals were held separately, uh, Hendrick Motorsports had all of their points penalties removed, um, even though the... Uh, monetary penalty and the crew chief suspensions stay, stayed. Uh, but then when colleague racing and Haley, Justin Haley uh, had their penalty appeal heard, it was a different appeals panel. So different members of the appeal board uh, were on that panel and they upheld the penalty in its entirety and kudos to NASCAR because they did reach out to the appeals board and said, listen, um, this is kind of, I don't know exactly the wording they used. In my eyes, it's a PR nightmare uh, that a powerhouse team like Hendrick uh, was given all of its points back uh, and had no real penalty. I'll tell you right now, Rick Hendrick doesn't care about four hundred grand. 
So the fact that they had all of that uh, taken away except for the monetary fine and the crew chief suspension and then the small team of colleague motors or colleague, sorry, um, had their penalty kind of staying there with the with all of its implications and all of its punishments. I think was a pretty bad look for NASCAR, and I think they realized that. And so kudos to them for being consistent and going to the appeals board and requesting that their penalty uh, be modified to to match the Hendrick penalty. So um, I think it's important to note that because we've all kind of, <laughs> if we've been on Twitter or any of the other NASCAR social medias uh, over the last while, there's Lord, been... Listen. Or listen to this podcast because Donnie's mentioned it. Yeah, fair enough. Um you know, you've you've heard talk of it, about NASCAR's inconsistency and, and whatnot. So kudos to them for, for making that right. And I do think that is the right call. I don't necessarily think it was the right call for the penalty to be rescinded as it was. Uh, I think it's either a penalty or it's not, and therefore it probably should have stayed uh, or at least closer to what it was. But at least, uh, at least the teams are being treated equally, so... And that's a positive in my books. And it's like, congratulations on your engagement, Justin Haley. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an engagement present from that. Uh, yeah, an engagement present, sorry, from NASCAR. So yeah. um, I don't know how often they do that, but <laughs> I'm sure there's other guys that would. It, that'll probably just start a rash of engagements after penalties if they don't watch that. All right, let's move on to winners and losers of this week now. With Donnie not being here, I'm sure I can sum it up and say he'd pick Kyle Larson as the winner, oh, as the winner, and JJ Yeely as the loser. So I'll just say that for him now. Just okay. kidding, Donnie. Let's let's. But I, I've what? got I've got to attack you a little bit for the pronunciation of JJ Yeely. Yeley, that's what it is. Oh, so it's like Yale, like Yale, Yeley, Yeley. Like I'm a Yeley. Woohoo! I go to Yale. Oh my lord. Well, that's how I'll remember it. I will never forget it again. <laughs> also never went to Yale. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Ev, let's move on. Who do you have for winners this week? Uh, yeah, winners for me. Um, I, I think Storthouse Racing is probably the most obvious. Uh, so I'll pick that in honor of Donnie because uh, last week he – he really did kind of go full bore on the winner and the loser. But uh, Storthaus this week, they led the most laps, uh, had multiple drivers leave, lead over 100, which in a 400-lap race, that's over a quarter per team. So that was really good. Uh, swept both the first and second stages and were competitive all day until some uh, pit road mishaps and some strategy mishaps and whatnot kind of took them out of the running. But I think it's really important to note how much of an improvement that race was. Um, another winner for the week is actually just NASCAR in and of itself. Uh, Chase Elliott returns, and I don't care what you say, any sport without their most um, most popular player or most popular driver or most popular athlete of any type is a sport that desperately wants that player to get back. Uh, it's a little bit um, a little bit different in NASCAR in the sense that. Most sports have way more than 36 drivers in their, or 36 athletes, I should say, in their top tier. And, uh, you know, it's not that uncommon to have one or more popular players out. With NASCAR, it's a lot smaller grouping, so having that one guy missing is, is a really big deal. But it's good to have Chase back. 
So is Chase Elliott like the Jeff Gordon of the 2020s? Uh, actually, Jeff Gordon never won the most popular driver. Oh, so there's like a title. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they give out like... <laughs> it's Yeah, it's an award does every, every year. year does it... And is it like everybody gets a chance kind of thing? Like, oh, this kid hasn't had student of the week yet. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's fan vote. So okay, uh, Chase's father, Bill, actually won it for years and years and Bill, years. Yeah. Yep. And then in uh, 01, he took his name out of the running because everyone kind of wanted Dale Earnhardt to win it, and he did. Uh, and then following that. It was pretty much dominated by Dale Earnhardt Jr. for years and years and years. I see why, though. He's most popular and probably best looking, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, well, in, case he's, in case he's listening. <laughs> I will say this. If that is the case as to why he was successful winning it, it probably was not the case as to why Bill Elliott did. Um, <laughs> I'll Google and let you know. Yeah, <laughs> you go ahead. Uh, but then it's kind of, uh, since then, it's kind of in the Chase Elliott show, and it probably will be until he retires, unless someone crazy comes along with, uh, with a little more stellar result. But Yeah, I see what you mean by Bill Elliott. Yeah, yeah. Chase isn't that bad. Uh, neither one are really my particular cup of tea, but I, uh, I can tell a homely person when I see a homely person. And Bill <laughs> Elliott wasn't, I, I shouldn't say he was homely, but... Uh, no, not at all. He wasn't on the cover of magazines unless they were featuring his race car, too. <laughs> maybe. So, like, a little sports reference, but maybe, like, League of the Rome and poor little Marla's way back in the field. Kind of like same thing, cars in the front, Bill Elliott's way back in the field. You know, it's funny. You've never seen Days of Thunder, but as much as I have, <laughs> I have definitely seen a League of Their Own, I don't know if I've ever watched it, you know, beginning to end. Uh, but I have definitely seen that. I do not remember that scene for the life of me, actually. But I do remember oh. Marla. Poor Marla. Yeah, they put her way out in the outfield for her take. <laughs> anyway. Marla, Marley. And... It's it's close. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay, let's move on to losers. What do you got? All right. So I got another two for you. Um, I could have done Shocked. one. Well, you know, it just makes sense, right? Normally, Donnie and I each bring one to the table, but uh, my first loser is William Byron. Oh, go ahead. What? No, I was just going to say you often bring two every time with Donnie here or not. So, anyway. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Okay. I, I like to present my cases. Uh, so, my first <laughs> loser of the week is William Byron. Um, while the rest of Hendrick was finishing 11th or better, uh, he was finishing 23rd. And actually... 11th or better is kind of misleading in the sense that one teammate actually won the race. The other two finished 10th and 11th. So uh, he was he finished quite a bit further back. Um, and to be honest, other than just having a rough day and some poor track position, uh, I don't know if that was necessarily the result that he earned or if it just kind of worked out that way. But uh, not, not a great result. Uh, for a guy who's been building some solid momentum throughout the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if that turns around this week uh, or or next. This week's always a bit of a crapshoot, of course. Uh, and then Ty Gibbs, um, you know. Who also had been building momentum. and then... Yeah, well, and, you know, this is re really, it's almost a shame to call Ty Gibbs a loser because he ended a four-race top-ten streak. 
um, where he finished ninth, 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 and tenth. Uh, so, you know, it's almost a shame to call him a loser since this is a rookie in his first season, uh, and four back-to-back top tens is not a small feat. Very impressive. Um, but uh, unfortunately, this weekend, I got to call him a bit of a loser uh, just because that streak snapped. But the fact he ever accomplished it kind of actually makes him a bit of a winner. So it's one of those conundrums where maybe I'm not really getting it right, but it's important to mention. I see, I see. And he's a grandson, am I correct? Uh, well, everyone's a grandson, merely, unless they're female. Oh, you know what I mean? Austin Dillon, Ty Gibbs. I've heard about these guys. Yeah, Austin Dillon, Ty Gibbs, uh, and Ty Dillon, actually, uh, are all grandsons yeah. that are racing in the top tier. Yep. Why not? Yeah. I'm paying attention. I am learning so much from this podcast. So let's hit with Corey's question of the week and see if we can teach him something. Sure. So what his question this week is this. What did Denny Hamlin mean when he said, you can't pass with these cars, question mark? Yeah, and that's that's part of a, a larger quote. Um, and, and, you know, taking it in the context of how it was asked is an important thing. Uh, so really, setting that bar... Well, no, go ahead. You wrote, you wrote the notes. I didn't see the full quote. No, absolutely. Um, but if you didn't interrupt, I was setting the contextual tone here. Um, but, of course, he was asked this at the end of the race by a reporter. Uh, and essentially the reason why he was asked is he ended up finishing, um, I believe, second or third, simply because he wasn't able to get around Joey Logano as quick as he probably should have. Uh, he had fresher tires. Uh, he probably could have ran Kyle Larson down had he gotten around Joey Logano. Uh, and so they asked him about that, and this was kind of his answer. Um, if I can paraphrase, he basically said, welcome to the new NASCAR. You can't pass with these cars. So if you have good pitch strategy and don't make mistakes and get out front, you can win. Uh, and so what he means by that is, nor used to be the cars had a lot more power and a lot less grip. So the driver's talent was that much more important because if you made a mistake, it was more costly. Um, whereas now, because the cars are, for the most part, supplied by single-source suppliers, meaning most of these cars are built the exact same as one another, it really narrows the window of what adjustments you can make to the car, um, which means everyone is now in a much more competitive um, window. So it's really made the cars a lot more similar. On top of that, these are not a widespread range of talent of drivers. For the most part, these guys are all pretty close. There's a couple that stand above the rest. There's a couple that stand a little below. But for the most part, that competition window is really short. So now you have cars that are very similar, drivers that drive very similar and have similar speed. Well, where do you capitalize on that opportunity to pass when that opportunity doesn't present itself. If you don't have a slower car or a slower driver, you can't have a faster car or a faster driver. And that's kind of what Denny means. So there's a couple ways, you know, that you could probably fix that, um, which the easiest way is to make the cars harder to drive, uh, which not only creates more mistakes and therefore opportunities for passing, uh, but it also allows drivers who do have that little extra to kind of shine uh, and puts more of that control back in the driver's hands. The reason why NASCAR went away from that model is because it really allowed 
teams with the best engineers and the best uh, finances to almost buy horsepower and buy competitiveness. And so in the name of making it cheaper for other teams to compete on that level, that's why they kind of went with this new car. And that's really what brought around this whole you can't pass with these cars scenario. Having said that, this is talking more about short track racing. Other tracks, we see more passing with these cars, or at least similar levels of passing with these cars. So the mile-and-a-half tracks, which is what had really suffered with the previous car, uh, have actually kind of improved in racing from most fans' perspective. So it's a bit of a win-win, but that's what he meant by you can't pass with these cars. It was really hard to get by anyone on the weekend because everyone drives the same thing, setups are all pretty close, and there's not a whole lot of difference in drivers. And that's better? Um, no, uh, not in my opinion. Um, okay. It's like, that sounds like it's less interesting. No offense. Yeah, no, but. it's, um, so in this car, the whole purpose of why they brought this car out was to make it cheaper for other teams to compete because what we were seeing was teams like, uh, Rick Hendrick, Mo- sorry, Hendrick Motorsports, I should call it, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, um, and then usually Penske or Stuart Haas would kind of switch back and forth on the Ford camp. Uh, but we could pretty much determine who was going to run really, really well week in and week out uh, simply because they were the ones that had the most money and therefore they could throw the more money at engineers, uh, at research and development, at wind tunnel testing, you know, you name it, anything to get an advantage they were able to do. And so when they went with this new car, the advantage to that was if you're buying the same components and you're not allowed to modify them, then the guy who is normally running really far back in the field is getting the same exact equipment and therefore stands a much better chance of having success in the sport. And so between that and the charter system, they were really looking at ways to make the financial model make sense for people who perhaps didn't have as deep of pockets as some of the billionaires who own teams. Uh, And that's kind of why they did it. Um, Has the racing suffered? I think in ways it has, but I also think, I also think that the car has enough potential that you can fix the car uh, and improve the racing product without really putting yourself in a deeper hole, which is what you kind of need to avoid right now because you're kind of on the cusp of it's either going to improve or it's going to get worse. And this year, the racing, specifically at Martinsville, uh, is better, I thought. There was a lot more passes, uh, which is good. Now, that was kind of all throughout the field. We didn't see a lot of lead changes. We saw guys have, you know, lead lap runs for a long time. But it's still a single-lane track, and it always has been ever since the very beginning. It's a very flat track with very slow corners, so there's no advantage to being on that outside line. So, personally, I think the racing did improve there over last year, the first year of the car. So, if we continue to walk in that direction and continue to improve it, I'm okay with it um, because it'll continue to get better. I think that the mile-and-a-half program has greatly improved. I think it was exciting last year to watch, I think, the final tally was 18 drivers get a win last year, including, you know, multiple first-time winners. So there's certain elements of it that are as exciting. Even if the on-track product hasn't always been better, there are elements that are, such as the, you know, the drama and the excitement of, of seeing guys get wins who perhaps wouldn't have really had that opportunity otherwise. So there is a bit of a trade-off, but 
I think I think NASCAR has been moving somewhat in the right direction with the changes they've been making to the uh, rules packages, specifically for short track racing, uh, which suffered a lot. You know, so there's definitely still room for improvement, but I think we're going the right way. Okay, I'll wrap that up there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Are you tired of hearing me talk? I... Is that is that? Well, you've got, you know, you're educating me and that's good. I've got some opinions on it, but I don't have enough knowledge to actually share those opinions. Um, So, yeah, I'll think on it some more. Anyway, let's... You're definitely welcome to to comment anytime you want to. Right, but then then you point out how stupid I am, so... No, I'm just excited. I'm just excited that you have some investment in the sport right now. To be fair... That's like life. It's not just the podcast. So it's fine. Well. Uh, no, I just, I like, to me, I feel like instead of making everything the same, which kind of like makes it like everybody gets a ribbon sort of thought process, wouldn't it have been easier to make some of the testing like free for everybody to like level it? Like you talked about like wind tunnel testing and things like that. So like having those options available to everyone at kind of like, I don't want to say free, but like at a, whatever that cost is, but having that available to people so that they can test more then it would be more based on like skills and engineering without just money being the the factor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, theoretically. But the, the problem with that is NASCAR doesn't own those wind tunnels and things like that. Right. So, you know, you can't yeah, uh, I, you can't talk to a third party and be like, "Hey, can you provide these guys free testing at the expense of this team or anything like that?" Right. So, the big teams had wind tunnels in their facilities and still do, uh, for that matter. Right, and I was thinking more along the lines of like having that infrastructure available and being more like, "This is where you test." Right. Like, I guess, like if you're going to me, if you're going to hard line how somebody's going to do it like you might have been able to leave more variety by still controlling somewhat of the fairness aspect if that makes sense yeah like having like you don't have your own wind tunnel that's not allowed you have to test in ours and it's free for everyone kind of levels that playing field without actually changing like because like for me an engineer's ability is on him and like you can find the best engineer that's pretty like good on you and like let them shine and like let the driver's ability shine without letting money be the only talking piece. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that had been how NASCAR was for years, um, all the way up through, but then as more and more sponsorship got into the sport, um, which sponsorship has always been a thing in NASCAR from day one. Um, but as the big money um, from specifically from manufacturers started pouring in and things of that nature. Well, all of a sudden you can throw way more resources at somebody. So if somebody's working for a single car or two car team, um, and then all of a sudden they get a, a huge offer from another team, then they're going to jump at that simply because not only is an engineer, you know, his, his mind and his hands, uh, in that design and development process, extremely important, but having the resources and the tools to do it is also important. And so uh, working in a facility that's better set up is a big draw. So we actually saw something similar to that happen just this past year with Alex Bowman. His crew chief last year was working for Front Row Motorsports, which is what I would consider to be a B or even a C plus tier team. Um, they're, they're not top echelon by any stretch, but 
when Alex Bowman's crew chief announced he was retiring, um, who are you going to hire? Well, you're going to hire that guy who took a team that was running, you know, 20th to 25th most weeks, and the year they hire him, now all of a sudden that same car is running 15th to 20th or even top 10 some weeks. Well, obviously there's a difference there, and that guy is a big factor in that. And so they went after him with more money and brought him in, and there's no way to really compete with that on a personnel level because everybody is willing to take more money to do the same job, especially when the facility uh, is a is a winning organization. Everyone wants to win, not only the drivers and the owners, but every team member. You know, I don't care if you're the guy who uh, puts the water bottle in the water bottle holder and passes it through the window to the driver on a pit stop. You want to be part of a championship-winning team. And so when there's more money on the table at a better facility with a better team, you're going to jump. What NASCAR needs to do to fix these cars, in my opinion... I think the very first thing that they need to do is open up the doors a little bit on the horsepower on the engine. Give give some room for for the uh, engine builders and whatnot to do what they do. This year we've kind of seen um, Hendrick and Chevrolet as a whole uh, with Richard Childress and whatnot have quite a bit of power. Uh, it seems to be like they've got more power than the other guys. So if you open up that door a little bit, open up that window a little bit, there would be a wider range. The other thing that they need to do is when they release this car, they made the tires wider. And with a wider tire, it has more contact patch on the pavement. And with that comes a ton of mechanical grip. So there's two types of grip, mechanical and aerodynamic. Well, everyone's got the same aerodynamics. Everyone's got the same mechanical. And I shouldn't say everyone has the same mechanical because there is adjustments to be made there, but very similar. So what they need to do is because there's so much grip in this car... There's no way for the drivers to really get it super loose. There's no way for the driver to just be able to use the throttle to drive the car. And that's where they can make a huge difference simply by narrowing those rear tires and allowing the car to be driven a little more with the throttle, um, which would allow it to get a little more sideways or for you to keep it more stable, um, give you all kinds of options to the driver. And I really think that's where NASCAR needs to go with this car. And they haven't gone that direction yet, but... There's some reasons to be optimistic, I suppose, and and I really do hope that that's the way they go. I think that's what's going to fix the sport and bring the racing back to an exciting level week in and week out again. Well, and they could be listening, so maybe that's the answer. Well, call you up, get your help. <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't recommend that. As far as engineers go, I think I'm the worst possible choice, primarily because right, I'm not, you're not one. an engineer. Right. <laughs> Yeah, although I did have uh, have an engineer upset at me one time because I told them that I engineered baselines, and therefore they should call me an engineer. <laughs> and he didn't like that. I bet you I can. Yeah, I bet he didn't. No. <laughs> All right, we got to move on because we spent way too much time, but if Corey doesn't understand what that quote was about now, he'll never learn. Well, so we'll move on. <laughs> we both know Corey, and we no. both know he probably won't learn anyway. <laughs> well, no, to be honest, that was that was me dragging that on. But anyway, let's move on. So, of course, now we're moving into our picks of the week. And it's time for you to gloat without any recourse or naysayer. So what's your lead now, Ev? My lead is currently at 11 to 8. Um, I can't gloat too much. It was one point each. So uh, we both picked picked sensibly. But uh, I will I will continue the lead. I like that. 
So last week, Donnie picked Martin Truex Jr. for third, and you had Josh Berry, which eventually changed Elliott for 10th. So that means Donnie won that one, right? Yes. And then he had Keselowski for his second pick, who ended in 24th. And Bubba Wallace was yours, who ended in ninth. Now, I want to do some honorable mention here before I get your this week's pick. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. You got your point. Did I miss saying that? No, <laughs> no. Second pick. I think everyone understands that ninth is better than 24th. I hope. Um, <laughs> that might be Corey's question of the week. Next week, we'll wait and see. You never know. <laughs> now, I also want to mention that my best friend... Um, the lovely Jennifer Hunter threw her hat into the ring on her Facebook post and called the winner for her second pick. So hopefully she'll come in again this week and we'll see if it's beginner's luck or not. Well, it could be, um, but uh, it, it, it was funny because Kyle Larson didn't think he was coming in there on Sunday and going to win uh, because he doesn't like the track, hasn't had much success there, uh, yet Jen called it. She was right. Yeah, that Jennifer, she knew. Yeah. Now more than the driver himself. <laughs> I will say her second her second pick kind of panned out like a Donnie Johnston first, but we'll see. That's okay. Was, <laughs> she, she she did good. She did good. You could you only have to pick the winner once, right? Like that is true. Really, it doesn't like yeah. So I have this week. Um, I'll give Donnie's since he chooses first. Um, his first pick is actually Brad Keselowski this year. Ooh. This week. This year. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know, this week. So he moved him up from second to first, and then he's got... Oh, do you want to give your first as well? Yeah, I think that's the way it normally goes. That way, if I pick the same driver, he doesn't get him, right? Right. Um, So let's go with... um, I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney's teammate, um, Joey Logano. All right, and that's who you think's got... First locked in next next week. Well, I, I think I just, I just think he'll do better than Brad Keselowski. Um, which, I mean, I shouldn't even say that. Brad and Joey and a couple other guys are always going to be at the front at these races, whether they finish there or not is always up in the air. But they will be at the front. I think Joey's got a little bit to prove after this week. He had a garbage car all week, um, so I think he's going to be wanting some redemption and a little better finish. Could be interesting. All right, and then for a second pick, um, he's got Ryan Blaney. So if there's a pattern here, uh, that means that Ryan will be his first pick next week. <laughs> but at least we know he, he isn't actually responsible for jinxing with Truex's finish in third. So that's good. Yeah, that's fair. So what's your second pick, Ev? Uh, well, I am going to take... Uh, I'm going to take Chase Elliott, and I know that he ended up being my first pick last week, but he wasn't the guy that I chose, and uh, as much as I think Chase Elliott is good at Martinsville, I think it was a difficult track to come back at. Probably wouldn't have picked him had I known he was going to be in that car, but I am going to take him this week, and the reason why uh, is exactly why we talked about earlier. He has nothing but wins to go for. And I think a guy that can make bold moves at a place like Talladega has a really good shot of putting it in victory lane. Uh, he typically does all right at restrictor plate, what we call restrictor plates. They're no longer restrictor plate races, but uh, he typically does all t- pretty good at super speedway races, doesn't typically get the results uh, that he deserves. But I think this weekend he can get it done. I see, I see. Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Five more days. All right. Anything else you want to say about Talladega? Because I had to do that. Whew. I hope you were expecting that. <laughs> um, I, I, 
yeah, I don't think I need to make comments on that. Um, <laughs> for no, the, we'll let everybody understand. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the perfect thing for our our listeners to uh, engage on social <laughs> media. On, I think we'll start a poll about you know when you should record your first album and and uh, all that good stuff. Listen, I like the skills I have are nothing in the musical department, but anyway. No, um, <laughs> I, though you played a mean hot cross buns on saxophone back in the day. Actually, I wasn't terrible at saxophone, but like anything else, if it took too much practice, I gave up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week uh, for the latest episode of Before the Green and After the Checkers. We've really enjoyed the social media engagement that we've been having with you, the listeners, and look forward to seeing that grow. Um, big kudos to Mary Lee on that, uh, giving you <laughs> giving you something to engage on. Uh, so great for that. Also, remember, um, we've mentioned it a few times over the past few months, but you can leave us a message at anchor.fm slash before the green at any time, and you can provide feedback, ask questions, or perhaps even just drop us a greeting. We'd love to hear from you. And I'm just going to jump in here as social media Mary Lee, and I'd like to add that you should follow us on Facebook at Before the Green and After the Checkers and on Instagram at btgatc podcast we'd love for you to like and comment to weigh in on our post and the best way to grow our audience is to share our links when they're live for an episode with other nascar enthusiasts like you other nascar enthusiasts like you and Marilee Locke. <laughs> that's actually yeah no <laughs> <laughs> well listen guys i was at a <laughs> no finish i was Let me just say this. I was at a conference this weekend and the speaker was from somewhere in the South and I was sitting beside my mother and my friend Jen is on the other side and the lady mentioned NASCAR. Do you guys know what that is up here? You know, it's a big deal in especially North Carolina and both mom and Jen are like, oh, you know, you're on a NASCAR podcast. So maybe (laughs) I am an enthusiast. Just think if it hadn't been one week later, that uh, that sentence wouldn't have applied. Right? Or, I'm just a really good sister. Yeah. um, I think we should probably go with the original option. Uh, But nonetheless, we look forward to being back with you next week after what is likely to be a crazy race at Talladega. So make sure not only do you tune into the race, but tune in next week at the podcast. And we're going to talk about all the highlights and all the big storylines. And if all goes well, we're going to have Donnie back here in the studio with us as well. And uh, we, we, we miss having him here this week. We enjoy Donnie's presence and his humor. Absolutely. And his banter. So uh, look forward to having him back. Look forward to having you back. And hopefully you bring a friend. Later, guys. <laughs>